This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Michelle E. Dickinson. Michelle is a mental health advocate and workplace culture change agent, TED speaker, and author of a memoir, Breaking Into My Life. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me on, Roman. My pleasure. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? Sure. I... um... So I grew up uh, loving and caring for my bipolar mother, um, and I took on the role of a child caregiver, a role that was imposed on me, not something that I got to pick. And so I grew up caring for her and understanding what mental illness looked like uh, from the lens of someone who loves the person suffering. And then I found myself giving a TED talk about that experience and getting very connected to wanting to share my story more broadly, which led me to writing my memoir, Breaking Into My Life, so that I could actually humanize that experience and help people understand mental illness better and relate to it in um, a less fearful, shameful way. Yeah, I agree. And I think in the United States, especially a lot uh, can be done in terms of uh, understanding mental illness and offering uh, the services that uh, people need, because I think it's uh, severely lacking, or at least mm-hmm. in my state in New Jersey. For sure, it is. Absolutely. We have one in five Americans struggle with a mental health concern. And, you know, the reality is, is we're all human and uh nobody's immune to mental illness. Uh, life events can cause people to have a mental illness. It's just not something they're, they're automatically born with, but um, you know, things happen in your life and it, you could find yourself in a depression at any given moment. So I think we all need more compassion and conversation around it. Yeah, I agree. I, I live near the, um, the capital of New Jersey. So I, I think like in terms of services, you can clearly see people kind of wandering the streets or homeless that you know something is off talking to themselves that kind of stuff and obviously they're on the streets and they're not getting the services that they need or even the medication so I think you know more funding or more understanding of specific conditions can go a long way as well so true it's so true and I think we need to be more educated around what a mental illness looks like what it um, what the signs and symptoms are and educate ourselves so we're not at the understanding of mental illness from the lens of the media or any kind of, I guess, media story. You know, there's so much more. Um, and, and you know, we can learn from celebrities who speak out and talk openly about their challenges too. Um, I think that helps as well. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I've had to deal with things and I think everyone at some point has had someone either, you know, something come about like you said, it's not necessarily something that you're born with and having to deal with that, having to cope with that and having kind of the uh, the knowledge and um, I guess the foundation and, and the people around you or, or get a, you know, a good tribe around you to get through that as well. Right, right. 
So not only do I have the experience of loving uh, my bipolar mother, I actually experienced depression for the first time in my life. I was adopted. So, you know, it was a reality check that no one's immune when I was dealing with a life event of my own and got um, diagnosed with depression and had to navigate that. And simultaneously to that, I was helping my Fortune 500 company build the largest, fastest growing employee resource group for mental health to remove stigma in the workplace. So I like to say I have like this trifecta perspective on mental illness. It has given me a real, I guess, extensive understanding of the different um, lenses that you can experience mental illness. Yeah. Now you being adopted, has that caused a depression in terms of, or you finding out, I don't know how that came about in your life. No, you know, my, my parents were great and they always had me familiar with the term adoption. So it was nothing that was like revealed to me in my teens that was traumatic. I always knew I was adopted. I, I actually was fine mental, like mental health wise. Of course I was, I had the impact of caring for an abusive, uh, emotionally, physically abusive person, but I think we all have our own stories from our childhood. But this this was a life event that occurred um, when my marriage ended after 19 years and I found myself depressed. So that was like totally separate. Yeah, and uh, like you said, the, the kind of life-changing events, a death, uh, ending of a relationship, uh, things of that nature, yeah. well, oftentimes, you know, trigger, you just kind of give up or you're mentally just exhausted and kind of let go. And it's important in those times as well to kind of find your balance. So true. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, so my wife and I are foster parents that we talked offline and we're actually doing a foster to adopt which came about us doing the whole uh, infertility treatments, which we still are in the last three years, having five miscarriages. So getting hit with that emotionally over and over again, and, and it's uh, and other things, you know, deaths in the family and stuff like that has have compounded. And I've been trying to step back and stay mentally, I guess, sane, if you will, yeah. and um, positive in, in my situation and, mm-hmm. you know, everything going on around me. Yeah, I mean, I know my story about being adopted. My biological mother was very young. She was 16 when she had me. So I feel very fortunate that she chose to give me up because then my parents, you know, similar to what you're up to, were able to adopt me and I was able to have a good life. And I think there's just like, I think when couples have so much love in their heart, it doesn't necessarily matter how you, how you're blessed with a child. My, my mom and my dad wanted one more than anything. And uh, through adoption, you know, there it was. And that's kind of led to some, uh, you know, heartache too. Our first placement, we got June 1st, as we got licensed, two boys we had for a year and we were told we would be adopting them and they ended up being reunified with the mom after a year. So that was kind of a, a kick in the gut as well, but sure. Sure. Wow. Oof. But anyway, so what what motivates you to succeed? Well, it's such a great question. What motivates me to succeed? So what I'm, gosh, you know, my mom, so both my parents have passed away. So what motivates me is having people be themselves and be accepted for who they are and be able to be supported. Yeah, I think it's important. I think it's important in professional settings because oftentimes people get drained by those things and, you know, are for, kind of forced. I mean, they can't leave it at the door, but bring it into the office, so which uh, affects performance and, you know, how you communicate with others around you. But I think knowing where someone is coming from 
and having the emotional IQ to understand that, you know, people are, could be going through something or every situation is different is important as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, the thing that I learned, unfortunately, in my situation was it takes a lot of courage for an employee with mental illness to to speak up and honestly tell their their boss that they're dealing with something um, invisible. Right. It, it, so it's like you break your leg, you show up with crutches. It's pretty obvious you need maybe you need some support, you need a chair, you need help, whatever. But it takes something for an employee to speak up and say, I have depression I'm trying to navigate, right? And when they do, how that leader responds to them is everything. So I shared that with my boss that I was de dealing with depression. I was under under a, a doctor's care and I was doing the best I could. I was trying to meet deliverables, etc. At the end of the year, when I got my review, I was told you didn't bring your bubbly, upbeat self to work every day. And we wanted that. And that was like, are you kidding? I was really taken back by that. And I thought, how insensitive. And if I can lead organizations to understand how wrong that is, you know, it took something for me to divulge that and not just go out and be sick, you know, and then to be met with that. It was really, really a hard thing for me. Yeah, I agree. In situations like that, it's tough to tell a superior either you don't agree with something or a situation like, you know, you were saying or even, you know, mention something at a review, a fear of possibly getting something in your file or yeah. being looked at differently. So I think it's important mm -hmm. to be honest and have kind of a accepting and an open workplace as well that people are comfortable to share those things. Yeah, trust, trust is the foundation and organizations want loyal employees. And the way you do that is you have great leaders amplifying people's strengths and building trust. So God forbid they find themselves in a space where they're dealing with something. They have a rapport with that leader. That leader's invested in them and they feel comfortable sharing without fear of, you know, any kind of circumstances because they share. I agree. So what's one thing that you may have seen in, in yourself as a weakness in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? Yeah, it's a great question. And I was actually just sharing this with a friend. I think, you know, growing up with my mom, I learned very young to put my own needs aside and do whatever I needed to to care for her, to keep peace in the house. Because when there was, when she was upset, the entire house was upset. So I learned very young to suppress what I, I wanted and what I wanted was always secondary. And that has followed me throughout my life as a pattern. And the thing that I realized now that I've been able to turn around is that it's okay to speak my truth. It's okay to ask for what I want, even though it's unfamiliar and I feel like I don't want to burden you. It's honoring myself. So I think I've learned to kind of take that negative experience and watch how it has held me back and learn to speak it, speak my truth and, and speak up when I, when I'm, when things aren't, aren't okay with me particularly with how someone treats me or speaks to me. So I think that I've been able to turn that around and realize that I should be honoring myself more than anything. Yeah, I agree. In certain situations and certain cultural norms, you're kind of uh, dissuaded from doing so. So I'm originally from uh, Ukraine. And I think kind of like that Eastern Bloc culture, you don't necessarily share your feelings. And it's stereotypical, like, you know, men don't necessarily share what, whatever they're going through. So holding all that in, at some point, it's going to explode in one way or another. Yeah, it, it is. And and then you have resentment, 
because you didn't and people can't read your mind and then you don't feel good about yourself because what you really wanted you didn't you, you didn't ask for there's a lot of you know but I understand it at least I understand why I am the way I am and I can rectify it now as an adult woman so yeah I think situationally also if you're going through something or like if you were diagnosed with something or you know you're depressed coming to terms with it number one and not kind of fighting it yeah. and then basically right. figuring out how it's going to impact your life or how how you can live with it or how you can cope and overcome it right exactly yeah you know I often say to people if you are dealing with something and you you think you're just not right or you know it might be depression or it might be anxiety like the first thing that you can do is get out of your head and talk to someone about it because if you can talk to someone that you trust it becomes far less scary the thoughts that you have in your head if you can actually convey them to someone and talk about it I think a lot of times we don't know how bad things are and we just go up in our head and we stay there and we we kind of isolate and that's like the biggest thing you should never do you should find that one person and talk to them yeah i agree so what's one piece of advice you can give to the audience personal or professional ah uh, wow well you know i'm all about fighting stigma <laughs> and i'm all about creating spaces of compassion so i think i think we all are so caught up in technology we're so connected but yet we're disconnected right like we have our phones in our hands we have our computers I think we forget about how valuable it is to connect with one another eyeball to eyeball and just say, hey, how are you doing? And recognize if someone's behavior is not been consistent with who you know them to be and just really care and look out for each other. And it's so easy to do, but I think people shy away or they step over things that they think might not be right because they feel like they have to take on the role of a clinician and they don't have to do that. It's as simple as asking people, are you okay? And listening. I think we underestimate the value of connecting and listening and just empowering people to make the right choices for themselves, but not taking on the burden of trying to solve their problem. Yeah, I agree. And I think oftentimes even like a kind word opens up a conversation in terms of you know, good etiquette or being polite. People always ask, how are you today, even in the store, but they're looking for okay. Yeah. They're not looking necessarily to hear what you're actually going through. And you know, I lost my grandfather and during the time he had a mm -hmm. stroke, he was in the hospital for 10 days. If I, you know, got something to eat or whatever and somebody asked, you know, are you okay? And I was like, do you want the long answer? Or do you want me to just say, okay, because you know, I'm dealing yeah. with this and it's tough. So I think it's kind of one yeah. of those societal politeness things that people don't necessarily want to hear. I mean, not necessarily not want to hear, but it's like, okay, is better than hearing a whole situation. And isn't that a shame? I feel like people long to be heard, long to be understood, long to feel gotten, right? And if we just took five minutes to be that ear for someone, they may not have that person, that loving supportive family at home who they can talk to and you can make all the difference by just tuning in for five minutes and connecting with another human being like ah, the power of that is huge yeah i agree and you mentioned phones and computers and tablets so social media has you know a, a positive effect on society also has a negative even on linkedin i, I believe a year ago i was scrolling through my feed and somebody was like you know i lost my job something happened xyz just compounded you know negative things in their life and, and a lot of trauma and they basically straight up said like you know I feel like killing myself so 
I didn't have to, but I didn't know the person, but, you know, gave them my phone number and, you know, regardless of mm -hmm. what happens, I mean, money is a piece of paper that at this point isn't even backed by gold. So it's something that you can make back any time as long as you get up the next day and you still have breath in your lungs. So, you know, doing something like that over a financial concern, which sadly one of my mm -hmm. brother's friends went to law school was like $150,000 in debt at that point and flunked out and ended up hanging himself. So situations like that, maybe if he had somebody or somebody listened to him or a support yeah. system, but yeah. like you said, doing something now while you can then, then looking at the news or hearing about the person that you could have talked to when they ended up, you know, taking yeah. their own life. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. You, you offer a little bit of hope for, you know, that they're not, alone right that that feeling of being alone and not talking to someone very isolating and there's no there's no there's no way out so yeah listening extending absolutely absolutely yeah and people sometimes don't think they can make an impact or just you know their contribution or like you said them them listening and they say, saying something is very small but that something small can add and tip kind of the scale into the right direction moving forward yeah, for sure. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Sure, sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again, Roman. So you can reach me on my website. It's Michelle with two L's, E Dickinson, um, D-I-C-K-I-N-S-O-N.com. That's my website. I'm looking to help make, um, create conversations around mental health in, you know, in the business setting and uh, help create more compassion through a variety of different tools that um, I'm connected to. So please reach out. I love hearing from people. I love um, learning about people's stories and supporting them any way I can. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Thanks for having me. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.